the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I love this statement. It's kind of an understatement that you'll find in Acts chapter 19. Uh, They were talking about, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, they were going to find out about the third member of the Trinity in a powerful way, and they're going to find out what they were missing. This is Bert Harper along with Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you on Monday through Friday at this time. And Alex, I get into one chapter, and I say, that that was a great chapter. And then I go into the next chapter, and Acts, I say, man, that one was good, too. I haven't found a, where it fades off yet, brother. It just keeps building and building and building. Well, I know. And this book that is the history book of the early church, I mean, it is so good and so just chock full of things. And uh, Paul comes back to Ephesus, and uh, he comes up on a number of followers of Jesus who don't know who the Holy Spirit is, or really even that there is a Holy Spirit. So, Bert, you and I have said this for years. The book of Acts um, it is a, a time of transition, and it's a time of uh, unfolding revelation of not only what God's doing in the church, but even some of the basic knowledge of the biblical worldview that we sometimes take for granted. And, Bert, let me just say this, and we'll we'll read some of Acts 19, but you, you and I have often talked about Hebrews chapter 11, kind of the Faith Hall of Fame, and all these dear people who laid down their life for the Lord, and many died for the faith. And I, I've often said this, uh, just like the people there in Ephesus, um, they didn't have a fraction of the knowledge you and I have, and yet they were willing to just go to the mat and give it all for Jesus. Look, We've got the Bible. We know how the story ends. We have every incentive, every reason to be full out for Christ because we, we know the full panorama of his revelation. And there's a great, great motivation in that, isn't it? There he is. And listen, uh, we need that. And let me just share this with you. I, I need a time frame. You know, we started in the third missionary journey. And just for those that are like me, you're kind of chronological and geographical. That's how you put things together. And that's, I mean, uh, people laugh at me trying to do that, but I do. And uh, so in when we start the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, you're looking at around 30 A.D. Some people say 29 or 30. When Paul and Silas start their third missionary journey, in chapter 18, verse 23, when they departed for parts of Galatia and Phrygia, it is approximately, during that period of time, about 57 to 59 A.D. So it's been at least 27 years since the church has was founded in Acts, and now they're moving on 30 years later, approximately 27, 28 years later, Alex, they're moving on, and the gospel is being shared and spread, as you said, in a strong way. And they they were motivated. 
Paul and Silas were motivated so much that they they didn't stay long in Antioch in Jerusalem. They stayed there for a little while, and they said, man, uh, we need to get going. When I read that, I, I want to have a little fun with this. It reminded me of mm. Alex McFarlane in 2020 with the pandemic and Alex McFarlane unable to travel and fly. And I thought, man, I know. We were going nowhere I, fast. Yeah. But Paul and Silas, can you imagine if they were living in our day? Just think about this. And I wanted to put this in perspective. Man, he, you know, he was called as a church planter, as an evangelist. I mean, he, uh, Paul was all in Paul. And so he was motivated to revisit those churches, to go to new territory, to, to make a difference. And Alex, again, like you said, and that is the Holy Spirit. That's without the New Testament. Now, he had already written Galatians by this time, and he's going to write First Thessalonica, First Thessalonians real quick, and then the others will follow. But so Paul is ready to go, and uh, he's going to leave Corinth mm-hmm. and go to Ephesus. Now, I want to make this statement, and then I'll turn mm-hmm. it back over to you. On his second missionary journey, he had spent a year and a half in Corinth. But he goes to Ephesus, and he spends two years. Have you noticed as he gets further into the ministry of church planting, he seems to take more time at certain places than he does others? I think something had happened. I think he said, you know what? I need to have a key city with a key church in order to make this work. You know, because you remember in Acts 1-8, it says, Jesus says, starting where? In Jerusalem. Now, again, I yeah. know that was home base, but that was the city of the for the surrounding area. Ephesus is a city for that area. Corinth is a economic center and very important center for the area of Greece. Do you catch my thoughts on what he had? He thought this is really important, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend some time with these people. Yeah. You know, isn't it a blessing that really for um, more than a century, uh, the epicenter of world missions uh, had been, maybe still is, but at least for a while was the USA. You know, I, I thank God of uh, for what we've read about the gospel in various parts of the world. But you know what? America has raised so much money for world missions and groomed missionaries, and we, we've had great schools. I mean, it, Paul picked a city led by the Lord uh, that was kind of a, a major home base. But um, aren't we privileged, Bert, to have been in a country that so prominently and so powerfully uh, showed forth the gospel to the whole wide world. And, and I know, listen, uh, 20 years ago, I went to the Billy Graham uh, Evangelism Conference, Amsterdam 2000, and it was just amazing to learn about what God was doing in parts of the world like Australia and India and much of Africa. But America had been kind of the, the hub of the wheel of, of world missions for a long time, and there, there's just a lot of blessing in that. But, um, you know, back in Acts 18, it talked about Paul had gone from place to place through Galatia and Phrygia. Now, it's interesting, when he gets to uh, Ephesus, there's Apollos who had been uh, preaching kind of part of the gospel. And so Paul 
uh, give, tells them like the Holy Spirit and some other things that don't uh, know that they didn't know. Uh, there is something very interesting in Acts chapter 19 that we're going to get to in a little bit about the spiritual dynamics. But um, Paul initially is preaching in the synagogues, and then he preaches in a lecture hall kind of uh, auditorium. But um, there, there's a lot of spiritual dynamics here. Uh, for three months, verse 8, Paul's in a synagogue boldly preaching Christianity. Some of them became obstinate. They opposed Christianity. They refused to believe and publicly maligned Christianity, which is called the way. Uh, interesting language there in uh, verse uh, 8 and 9, isn't it? How Christianity is called the way, because we know Jesus is the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, and this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Bert, wouldn't it be good if we could say, hey, maybe not everybody accepted, but everybody in a certain city had heard the word of the Lord. Um, I'm not sure we've accomplished that in America yet. Not everybody has heard yet here, even though we've got the gospel very prominently, we still have people to tell, don't we? We have a lot of people to tell. Matter of fact, uh, most of y'all have heard me talk, refer to my son, Nathan, who helps me with exploring missions. And and they were able, the ministry he worked with, even they identified pockets of unreached people groups. Most of them are in our cities. Most of them came in as refugees, and they collectively they've always done it since they've come to america the irish seem to collect together and, and the italians seem to collect you know in in areas and so there's these pockets of unreached people groups especially in the major cities here mm -hmm. in america but there are little pockets in smaller areas but notice this one thing uh he's done this before too i, I love to pick out things that show you a trend in in Paul's missionary work. Notice what he's done. Before, he was in a synagogue, and they ran him out, and he went next door. Was it Justice that had his house next mm -hmm. door, and they started here? Yeah. And here they run him out of the synagogue, and he goes to the school of Tyrannius. In other words, part of it was he had, if, if he couldn't do it in the synagogue, guess what he did? He found another place to keep on carrying on. Alex, he wasn't a quitter. He was not a quitter. And sometimes you have to have, now when it's to salvation, there's no alternate plan. But when it comes to spreading the gospel, you may need to have an alternate plan. If it gets closed down here, I've got an area to go there. And that's what he did. And he made the most of it, did he not? Well, he really did. And Paul does miracles. And it's interesting that uh, for, you know, Paul's there for two years, he's performing miracles. Even things that Paul touched, like handkerchiefs and aprons, healed the sick and drove out evil spirits. This is amazing. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, let me just say this. Um, 
they begin to dabble in spiritual things they just don't even know about, and we're going to see that here in just a little bit. Can I tell you something, uh, Bert? Uh, we are so blessed to have this wonderful network called the Body of Christ and churches. And about, it was a decade ago, um, I was debating an atheist. And uh, during the course of the debate, I talked about the fact that the church, you know, as we often say, our primary calling is to proclaim the saving message of the risen Lord Jesus. We're to evangelize the lost. But churches also do wonderful benevolent work and there's soup kitchens and clothes closets and literacy programs and even music programs. I was talking to a music minister earlier this week who talked about how many kids had been evangelized through music programs and things like that. And this atheist said to me, he said, uh, it's not fair. He said, you, you Christians, you meet on Sunday morning. He said, we atheists, we don't have anything to do to get people together and do all these things. And he was basically saying he wanted atheism to grow, but it just was dead. And I said, yeah. I said, well, first of all, you atheists, you do have tools. It's called the secular classroom and the modern media and Hollywood. So the atheists, they do have some powerful arms of outreach, sadly. But I said, look, if you're envious of Sunday morning and the fellowship of believers and all that the, the power and the, the um, goodness that flows from Christianity. Maybe, maybe you're envious of Christianity because it's truth. Amen. And we're, we're a living body because we have a living Savior. Amen. And we're going to come back and see why these people were having trouble casting out demons. We're going to hear one of the greatest combats, com- comebacks in the world. Stay tuned. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for United States Attorney General Merrick Garland. As Attorney General, he is our country's chief lawyer and serves as the principal advisor to the president on all legal matters. Romans 13.1 reminds us of the importance of respect for the law and our leaders. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Merrick Garland in his role as Attorney General. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Enrich your prayer life and pray for America and our leaders with our daily National Leadership Prayer Journal. Get yours now at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says there's only one place God wants to occupy in our lives, first place. But what happens to life's other priorities? We'll find the answer with the help of a brief physics lesson as we spend two minutes with Tony. A college professor one day wanted to teach his students about priorities. And so what he did was he got a jar and he poured in it a lot of pebbles and stones. The stones began to fill up the jar and then he had one rock. Although the stones were smaller than the rock, there were so many of them that there was no room left for the big rock. He then emptied the jar and put the rock in first, then poured in the stones to discover now that if you put the big rock in first, 
You still have room for the stones to fill in around the rock, but you don't lose the big because you got so many little things occupying the space. What he was teaching them is you always take care of the big thing first and then you'll have room for the little things. God is the big thing. The problem is our lives are filled with so many stones that when it comes time for God, there's just no room left. We filled it up with work and play and activity and relationships and television and, and athletics and all of these stones, legitimate stones. But then we wind up too tired for a rock, too busy for a rock, too distracted for a rock. And then we get upset when the rock's not working, when there was no place for the rock to be. For an in-depth, practical look at what it really means to put the Lord first, ask for details on Tony's teaching series, Restoring God to His Rightful Place. Available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We're in Acts chapter 19. This is Exploring the Word with Bert Harper and Alex McFarland on the American Family Radio Network. Just want to remind you, at AFR.net, you can listen to a repeat of this show and other archive shows. You can download uh, podcasts and forward this on to some other people. So share this content with others as you feel led to do. But Bert, before the, the break, I was mentioning the fact that people... Uh, dabble in the spiritual things they don't know anything about, really. And it's kind of uh, pathetic, really, here in Acts 19, 13 and following, that because of the power of of the Lord in the life of Paul, they think they can drive out demons by the name of Paul, and uh, they get overtaken by a gang of demons, don't they? They do. And again, I love this after they tried to do that. And it says in verse uh, 14, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? Now, Alex, wow. I'd say wow. that, that evil spirit put that man in his place. That was some uh, placement. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? Uh, wow. Listen, Alex, you're exactly right. I was talking to someone recently, just today, matter of fact, about a mission trip they had made to Africa and about some that I'd made to Central America, and they were talking about the, the demons that you confront, and I, I just made it plain. I said, demons are not always the same thing that we want to make them, witchcraft and the occult. I said, some of those demons are kind of f- sophisticated. They want to mm. dabble in what we'd call science. They want to dabble in the area of, of social justice and looking at what should Preach it, brother. And listen, listen, don't think that Satan is not active in the United States of America when they are promoting something that is 
uh, un, unscientific. It's funny. They'll say follow the science concerning things, and then when it's something that they don't want, like gender, gender identity, they don't say anything about the science on that. Uh, you know, Alex, it's just, and honestly, is it demon possession? Well, I'll put it this way. It is satanic influence. And so here, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? It means you need to be identified with Jesus Christ right now. You don't delay, do you? Well, that's true. I mean, that that is really true. And uh, l- let me just say, it's been said in songs, it's definitely in Scripture, you cannot be neutral on Jesus. In fact, the Lord himself, Jesus, said, if you're not for me, you're against me. Now, interestingly, uh, Jesus I know and Paul but who are you? Then the man, verse 16 of Acts 19, the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them a beating, and they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, that that's graphic. I'm going to tell you that. But, friend, uh, the world situation is getting more and more aligned where you had better take your stand. And as for exploring the Word and the American Family Association, uh, I speak for myself, and I know Bert, too. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God. What the Bible says about truth, heaven, hell, life, morals, marriage, family, the Word of God is true. We will not budge from it. And so don't be misled. Uh, You might not get jumped on by a man with an evil spirit, but you might sit in a secular classroom or listen to pundits and critics on TV. Bert. The world is lost. I mean, not only does so much of the world not even know the true and living God, they, they don't even have the awareness to determine who's a male and who's a female. Build your life on the truth of God and his word. That's what we live and we believe and we know it's real. And so um, Acts 19, among other things, shows the, the reality of, of spiritual battle. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Uh, hey, verse 17 tells us, Bert, am, am I right? Uh, when people get a vivid reality check that we're talking about darkness versus light, Satan versus the living God, all of a sudden, the sanctuary called Jesus looks pretty appealing, doesn't it? He does, and he is today. I don't care what you're looking at. Jesus is the answer. He is the one that you can come to and know him and have life. It says many believed came confessing and telling their deeds, and many of those who practiced magic brought their books together, and they had a a book burning of all things, and yeah. they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Now, now, now go ahead. F- forgive me for interrupting. One commentary said that this, look, uh, 50,000 drachmas, which is a unit of currency, They one commentary said that this might have been the equivalent of 130 years of wages. Did you read that? Yes, I did. And it's it's kind of difficult to ascertain all the things because the economy jumped so quickly. But again, it is. It is such a significant amount that they took note of it. That's enough. 
And and notice the word of the Lord grew mightily, and I love that next word prevailed. And Amen. Now what is it? It's combat. The evil yeah. spirit and 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 Christ, the Holy Spirit, and prevailed when Christ is proclaimed, when Christ is followed. Yes, the ultimate victory will be for Christ. And and notice what it happened. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, he, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to, to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Now, Alex, again, when he saw what was taking place in Ephesus in this big city, in this uh, city that was influential for a whole region, he spent extra time there and said, uh, Timothy, Erastus, I, I need you. And, and that's so important. He knew how to make the most of what he had, Alex. I think churches mm-hmm. need to look at themselves, ministries like AFR. We need to make the most of what we have. And and I believe God will let us prevail as we follow Christ. Well, amen. Amen. Well, there's a silversmith who makes money creating statues of a goddess named Artemis, uh, silver shrines and Demetrius. And so he says to everybody, he says, look, uh, we make a good income from this business. Verse 26, you see and hear how this fellow Paul, notice that that's a little bit of demeaning language. This this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. That's actually a compliment. Paul's impact for the gospel is extensive. So he says, listen, uh, there is danger. We're going to lose our jobs because if they don't want little bitty statues of Artemis to take home and the goddess is discredited who's worshipped throughout Asia, we will be robbed of our income. And they begin to shout. They were saying, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions, and rushed as one man into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples wouldn't let him. I mean, um, this is a riot, isn't it? I mean, this is a kind of a pandemonium. And, uh, it's, it's interesting, like so often, uh, Demetrius wasn't concerned about the souls of people. He was concerned about his financial bottom line. I, I want to say this, Bert, um, with the woke movement, and even now different companies are going PC, and companies are, are all about the pride of the LGBTQ trans movement. And what they don't know is, look, the economy depends on a moral culture, but spreading all of this wokeness, wokeness can only be true if there are no morals. So here's the thing. If you go for the bottom line and the profit at the expense of truth and godliness, you're going to ultimately lose the ability to make money. But if you'll stand for truth and for the word of the Lord, not only will you be doing the right thing, you'll be doing right by the souls of people, but you'll preserve the culture that enables you to run your business. 
And what yeah. happens, Alex, when that happens is the very words that we see in verse 32. When you have this wokeness, when you have this confusion, notice, some therefore cried out one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. That's the whole idea. That is the confusion that takes place. This reminded yeah. me of the Old Testament. How many times uh, the enemy would come against God's people? And guess what What happens? Confusion on their ranks, not knowing where. There will always be confusion in sin. There will always be confusion in, in this trying to, to, to manipulate and, and to operate. This is one of the things we don't want confusion. You're saved by Jesus Christ in grace and faith alone. That the word of God is the word of God, no matter what the world might say, it is settled in heaven. We do not need confusion. And even on some of the smaller issues that we don't necessarily see out on eschatology, the early earth or the new earth, or or we might not completely agree on what people call election, you know, the Reformation. Those things are small compared to what we're talking about here. We don't need confusion in our message, do we? No, we don't. And, you know, so much would be accomplished uh, when the men of God, the pastors, preach the Word of God. And let me encourage you, if you are a minister, a Sunday school teacher, equip your people to know truth so they won't fall prey to the lies of the hour. Uh, you know, you mentioned verse 32, the, the mob rule, the people didn't even know why they were there, and that's like so many today. And that's why, Bert, it was my privilege earlier today, um, at the invitation of Randall Murphy, I wrote a, an article for the journal on worldview. We're in a battle of worldviews, and so the praise the Lord, the journal, the programming, we're doing what we can to proclaim truth and, and see people be equipped. Uh, but that the people are shouting, you know, great is Artemis. Okay, verses 35 through 41, kind of the, the end of this chapter. Um, the city clerk says to the crowd, Don't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? That was kind of a myth. Uh Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet, not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are pro-councils. You can press charges, but anything further, uh, it's got to be settled legally and orderly. Otherwise, we're in danger of being charged with a riot. And so... I want to tell you, this city clerk, he brings a little bit of wisdom and uh, level-headedness to a, to a otherwise very volatile situation. He does. And again, this is the second time something like this happens. You remember they were doing that earlier? And uh, Gallio, he came and he said, listen, I'm not going to get involved in this religious war that, quote, that's, you know, you're trying to bring these federal charges concerning your confusion on this religious issue. And he got out of it in here. Now we find out this clerk does the same thing. And and so, Alex, I, I pray that we'll have wisdom. I, I just thought of this, and I wanted to bring it in, and this is opportunity. Wisdom for leaders, especially judges, 
that have to make decisions, that those people that have no standing to bring such complaints, that they they don't have standing, they shouldn't do it. But those that have standing, and it's moral, but it's because moral and law go together. They say, oh, don't mix those up. No, murder is moral, but it's legal as well. Stealing is moral, but it's legal as well. But some of the things that they want to do in the, quote, woke movement is nothing more than making those of us who believe there is right and there's wrong, there's evil and there's good, and the Bible is the way you know it. They want us to be off the map and shut up, and we pray that our authorities will have the thoughts and the courage to do what these men did, Alex. Well, I, you know, I'm going to tell you, folks, if, if we don't have a moral foundation, we're not going to have a country. I mean, the, the Declaration, Bill of Rights, and Constitution only makes sense if there is an objective moral foundation that we agree on. But look, abortion, the redefinition of marriage, homosexuality, transgenderism, those things only make sense if there aren't morals. I'm going to say this, and I don't want to deviate too far from Acts 19, but here's the thing. Uh, Look, people can do what they're going to do, but where we are, and so sadly, classrooms, elected officials, even legal decisions, even a couple of Supreme Court decisions have just fallen over like dominoes such that we are are really a, a place where belief in morals it hangs in the balance, and if we're going to preserve our liberties, we've got to be a culture. Whether or not you're a born-again Christian, but we've got to be a culture that believes in moral truth. Amen. Hey, we're going to take phone calls in this final segment. That phone number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Give us a call. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here are some of our core values. AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests, plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. From a distance, the fig leaves gave Jesus the impression that there was fruit on the tree. Upon closer inspection, the tree was fruitless. Perfect church attendance and ministry activity cannot replace actual Christ-like fruit produced in our lives. From a distance, it can appear as though we're bearing fruit, but what would we find with a closer look? Are we content with fruitful appearance, or do we yearn 
for the real thing. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. 1 Peter 4 verse 12 says, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. When my wife makes cookies, I like to watch all the ingredients go into the bowl. But then she turns on the mixer and everything gets all jumbled up. If I didn't know that she'd get delicious cookies from that, I might think that something was terribly wrong. Well, sometimes we feel like God puts us in the mixing bowl, turns on the mixer, and churns us up and turns us upside down. We wonder what good can come from all of the discomfort. But God is always doing something good. He's always working His best in our lives. Even when we face the hardest trials, God is working and He has a purpose. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 1 Peter 4.10 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Let me go down, down, down in history As another blood-bought faithful member of the family And if they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me I'm living for the world to see nobody but you Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're going to take your phone calls, and we have people already call in, but we got room, and we're going to try to answer as many as we can. That number, if you have that question about Bible questions and what we should do, 888 Alex, where are we going first? How about we go up to the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, and talk to Richard. Richard, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got a question about the beginning of uh, Acts chapter 19, where it talks about they went to Ephesus and found some disciples. And I'm a little confused as to who these disciples would actually be, because uh, when they were asked if they received the Holy Spirit when they believed, they said that they did not. And my understanding is once you believe in Jesus, you would actually receive the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, there was the extra, I guess, the baptism, however you want to call that, um, where you get the tongues and and whatnot. But it's a little confusing to me that if these would have been believers in Jesus Christ, that they would not have known that the Holy Spirit existed. So who who actually were these disciples? Okay, great question, Richard. Go ahead, Alex. I'll follow Mm -hmm. up with yours. Yeah, you remember at the end of the second missionary journey, they went through Ephesus, and Priscilla and Aquila— uh, stayed there, and uh, Paul stayed in Ephesus for a short time and then went on. So there were some disciples there, and uh, let me say this. Um, salvation is about putting your faith in Jesus, and and I honestly think it's, it's possible to be saved and the Lord at work in your life, even if you don't fully understand it or can articulate it. I could give you some examples, but... Uh, Bert, isn't it possible that they had heard about Jesus, 
believed in salvation. Uh, the Holy Spirit was operative in their lives. They just didn't know, didn't understand it, or weren't able to articulate it. It's good, good answer, good question. I, this is, and and Richard, you've heard Alex and me both say the Book of Acts is a transitional book. It is transitioning from the the Judaism into Christianity, and yes, but it takes uh, these steps. Notice what it says in verse 3, that they had been baptized into John's baptism. Now, if you remember, a lot of the apostles, they were followers of John uh, the Baptist before they followed Christ. And uh, that's when John the Baptist said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. He wasn't just talking about personally. He was talking about the followers. So these are people that are disciples. They are but again, there seems to be in this transitional period of time a power of the apostles that we do, that is not needed now about laying on of hands and the Holy Spirit coming into their lives. Now, you read that. I can't fully explain it. All I'm doing is reporting it, and this happened here. And uh, I heard a sermon, and I used it. These were two true blue Baptists. You know, hmm. they they had been they they had they had been influenced by the Holy Spirit, but they had not been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And here, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes into their lives with signs. And so, Richard, today, the point of salvation, we're no longer in that transition period. We're no longer in the apostolic age. We're in the age of church. And the moment of salvation and the Holy Spirit comes into your life at that point in time. Well, let's go to Ohio, and we're going to talk with James. James, welcome to the program. Well, howdy, y'all. I'm, I tell you what, I sure do love your show. And this is um, more to Bert than Alex, but I was wondering if you can recall a time when things started changing here in the United States. I've been to Africa three times, and I know they're very strict on things that we don't allow here or that we allow here. And I was wondering if you could just look back and say, like, when you was a boy, where did you see they started letting things slip, you know, just, you know, this was okay now and this is okay now. I was just wondering if you had any timeline. I do. I can look at it. I was in school. And when the Supreme Court did the issue about prayer in school, it changed things dramatically. I'm telling you, before that, we asked the, the blessing before we ate. We did everything, and all of a sudden, it started dra- gradually dropping. Some teachers would, some teachers would not. But it became more and more drastic. And as you saw that happening, and you say, well, those prayers weren't really. They were just whatever they were. But it was a recognition of God, guys. It was recognition of God, our authority, our maker, our creator. And it goes back to Romans chapter 1. It says when they denied God, they, they became unthankful and became vain in their imaginations. So when you forget God, become unthankful, you're open game as an individual, as a family, and as a nation. And we've gone that downward trek a lot since then. Now, there was things wrong before that racism that we had, horrible racism, Jim Crow laws. I know that. We, but we were in the process, hopefully, of correcting those things. 
But, yes, at that point in time, I saw a downward spiral, guys. Well, and, and let me say this. Um, one of the big changes, of course, we could talk about the sexual revolution of the 1960s. But after World War II, um, really from the time of uh, post-World War II up until the assassination of Kennedy in 63, the, the seeds of secularism were beginning to be sown but I honestly think, Bert, um, and maybe we could do a whole show on this at some point, I honestly think the 1960s were a time of great spiritual attack on America. One thing that I want to say that, that it shows the, the power of ideas, there was a man in the 19th century named Horace Mann, M-A-N-N, and he was a big uh, influence in education. And he also believed that a lot of crazy evolutionary ideas. He was an avowed racist. I mean, he he really, Horace Mann personified so much of what people today um, stand against. But he passionately wanted no Christian influence in public schools. And very sarcastically, Horace Mann would say, the public school is not a theological seminary. And he didn't want Christianity, the Bible, or morality in public schools. Now, it took about 100 years for Horace Mann's philosophies to really dig roots into the public school. But if you look at what we were around 1960 by what we were 20 years later, you know, Bert, I remember in my public school, we we were drilled with evolution and even some of the, the later developments. It's been a long time coming, but friend, the good news is, the good news is we who know the Lord and we know his word, we can discern the times. We can see where the errors have crept in and we can stand for truth, influence others, say our prayers, and God can work in our nation still. And it begins when he begins to work through us. Great question, James. Thank you. I want to go to Missouri. Uh, Diane in Missouri. I believe it's Missouri. Do I have that right, Diane? Yes. God bless you. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Thank you for taking my call. I listen to you guys all the time, too. Um, My question is, my daughter has just changed churches, and it's called the New Wine Ministries. I don't, and I don't know much about it, but it seems like a lot of the things she used to believe she's changed her mind on. And I know that they celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacles. And I was wondering if you could tell me anything about that church denomination. I, I have not heard it, Alex. Uh, is it a denomination or just a church, Diane? Well, I don't know. It. They call themselves non-denominational. Okay. But I, it's kind of like they seem like they're a little spinoff of the Jewish faith, but not. Yeah. They that, tell them they're not in the law, but yet they do the tabernacles, which would, yeah. to me would be under Jewish law, which we are not under Jewish law. Alex, you and I have talked about it, and we've noticed it. There's churches that feel like they want to go back to that, you know? We've noticed that, yeah. haven't we? You, you know, we got a question about this uh, about a year ago, and I think that, if I'm correct, it's um, a group that originated in Florida. Um, you know, as as far as I know, they, they really do preach the, the gospel, that you have a relationship with Jesus, um, you know, l- let me just say that we're living in a time when we need to be unified, 
And we've got to keep it all about Jesus and Jesus alone. And I do get nervous. I'm not going to, because I don't know enough about New Wine Ministries to speak specifically, although we've heard the name come up several times. Um, I, I get nervous when you want to add Judaism to the gospel. Not that, you know, the gospel didn't come out of the Jewish culture. It did, but... We, we can't improve on perfection. And the grace of God that our sins were paid, Christ said, it is finished. We put our faith in Jesus. It's faith, not works. We can appreciate the history of the Old Testament, but we're in the New Testament now. We don't have to reenact the feasts. I think they're instructive. I think they point to Jesus. But we're under the New Covenant now. And Bert, I, I, I don't know, I, I get nervous in uh when i hear about what's called reconstructionism that we're gonna set the old testament up all over again don't you a little bit i agree fully with you now i want to tell you studying the feast studying the the passover will help you know jesus better but reenacting it the only thing uh again caution but again alex you said it to beginning we we have enough those that are standing against jesus we don't need to make enemies of our friends, and uh, but be careful not to go back into Judaism. Who's next? Amen. Trey in Mississippi. Trey, welcome to Exploring the Word. We're glad to have you. Uh, thank you all for having me. Um, appreciate everything you all do. Um, I just had a question about 1 Kings 22. Um, seems like the prophet was in front of the two kings, and um, he had a vision of heaven. And a spirit piped up and said that he would put the, you know, a lying, deceiving spirit around Ahab. And it seems like there's some parallels maybe to Job. Um, do you think that was the devil or an evil spirit? Okay. And that's in First Kings 22. The king, Jehoshaphat, is it not, yep. Alex? Am I right? Uh, this is... Uh, I, I've always smiled when I read this in verse yeah. 7. Jehoshaphat says, is there another prophet of the Lord? King of Israel <laughs> said, well, there is another one, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good but always bad. He's Micaiah, son of Imlah. Uh, and Micaiah, when they bring him in, says, you know, what the Lord says, I'm going to tell you the truth. And so uh, it, it's it's very humorous, actually, really. But what about it there? Is it um, the spirit of God and truth or an evil spirit of falsehood? I, I'd i have to remind myself. I'd have to reread it. And, Trey, you got me on that one. I haven't looked at it enough to know. But it was at a lying spirit. Chapter 22, verse 20 is the key verse. Let me read it again. And it says, And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall in Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this matter, and another spoke in that matter. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said in him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. Now, I do want to say God even used Satan to bring about his will. Now, you say, how in the world did he do that? He doesn't condone it, but he uses it to bring about it, Alex. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Um, Imagine somebody has five uh, bad dogs on a leash, and those dogs, and way across the street, there's 
you know, somebody walking, and all those dogs are like, let me at him, let, it, let me at him. Uh, any one of them would have done the attack, but if you let go of the one leash, the dog that is set free is going to attack. And this spirit, you're right, um, because people were believing that which is false, this lying spirit in verse 22, I'm going to assume it's a demon, and there might have been many demons eager to go out there and, and lie and do evil. God God didn't cause it because God doesn't cause sin, but God Amen. did allow it, didn't he? That's the whole idea. God does not cause evil. He takes evil and he even uses those things. It's like I would say Judas is carrying it. God was not in Judas's chariot doing what he did. I've heard people talk about that. God took what Judas did, which was evil and bad, and he worked it for good. That's what Romans 8 is all about, Alex, and God's mm-hmm. able to do that. I think that shows the sovereignty of God more than anything. Not that yeah. God controls every little thing that goes on, although he could, but he takes it all and he is able to do that. Hey, I want to remind everybody that tomorrow is Fire Away Friday. And we're right. going to be taking questions, Alex. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait. We've got several people we would have loved to have gotten to today, Randall and Todd and Mike. And we didn't have time today, but we're going to have time tomorrow, aren't we? We're going to take the whole hour. So for all those that were waiting, we apologize that uh, we ran out of time. But tomorrow, the entire hour, Fire Away Friday, tune in. Hey, and do me a favor. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word and all of the fine programming on AFR. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. But even more important than that, what, Bert? We tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to say that's part of our mission, our mission statement is to aid the church in making disciples here and around the world. And that's what exploring the world is the centerpiece of that. And we want to do that. So as you said, Alex, may they tell them about exploring the word, but more importantly, tell everyone about Jesus. Jesus.